Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, my partner Bill Mesnick and I have been in a heated conversation regarding the state of the, uh, of the universe at, at large, but we're going to give up this conversation just for you, just for you. And we're going to bring you another episode of Put on a Stack of 45, the program that delivers a 45 RPM record of note, of consequence, of imagination, of thought, and it's going to make your life better. And we're going to talk about it, and it's going to be a beautiful thing. Bill's in California where the sun is shining and the fires are blazing. Bill, how are you, baby? Talk, talk. Talk, 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 talk. Uh, the music machine on original sound uh, that made number 15 in the year 1966. Hey, that was a great year. B-side was Come On In. This record is only a minute and 56 seconds long. But yet? It's a short record. All right, so let me, so, so let me, let me lay it down. We're, we're just having a conversation about the State of the Union here. Please. Here's what Sean Bonnewell who is the real creator of the group The Music Machine, wrote in 1966. I got me a complication, and it's an only child. Concerning my reputation is something more than wild. I know it serves me right, but I can't sleep at night, have to hide my face, or go some other play, I won't cry out for justice, admit that I was wrong, I'll stay in hibernation till the talk subsides to gone. My social life's a dud. My name is Rumor. I'm up to here in lies. Guess I'm down to size. To size. He wrote that in 1966 because he was an angry young man and thought that through rock and roll, he would be able to voice his real self. And not only was he right, but it still resonates today in the lives we lead, in the feelings we feel, and in the society that we are forced to participate in lest we go off the rails. How's that for a synopsis of one of the great 45 RPMs? I love it. It's the perfect uh, reflection of teenage angst. Now let's talk and about as it. you say it extends beyond the teenager. It sure David does. Frick of Rolling Stone says this is breathlessly compact garage rock, hog snort guitar distortion, machine gun drumming and paranoid growling despair shaved and hardened by geometric precision. I love that description. I was mentioning a half a second ago an album called The Music Machine by The Music Machine featuring Talk Talk. Where does the music come from, John? Oh, uh, out of my head, I guess. Is most of it your creation? Yes, sir. How long have you fellas been working together? We've been together for one year and about uh, three days. This is a question I'm sure that other people have asked you, but you wear one glove. What's the significance? Everybody does. Is there a significance to this? Yes, there is. It started out uh, by accident, but it has developed now into something that we feel very strongly about. The glove represents the group and the bare hand, the individual. You got to have both to make it work, don't you? That's right. One without the other doesn't uh, doesn't make anything at all. It makes for a mess. I know yeah. that. <laughs> Gentlemen, nice to have you with us. If you will hold on for the autograph table. And it's probably one of the finer deconstructions of any recording. And as you say, coming in under two minutes, making the impact that it makes, it's kind of like your narratives uh, on your Captain Billy broadcasts. You're able to 
put an entire work that probably took that took months and months to to develop and years in some cases in the writing of the material and condense it into two three minutes or so. Um, well, I thank you. And this this record was recorded in three hours at the expense of one hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, so you know, you <laughs> it's kind of like it came out in a flash. But also you had to do that stuff live, just as you had to do stuff like 96 Tears or Psychotic Reaction. You can't do that with beats. You can't do that with uh, home equipment. You have to have everybody in the same room, even if they're behind dividers, so that there would be no, uh, no leakage of sound, uh, soundproofing. You still have to do it the way that it used to be done. And it's not done that way anymore. Simply is not done that way anymore. Not for the yeah. most part. They, 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 this is a, this is a sort of the archetypical one hit wonder on the album that it was contained within called Turn On, The Music Machine. They covered Taxman, 96 Tears, Hey Joe. Hey Joe, where are you going with that gun in your hand? Gun in your hand. I mean, Talk Talk was a phenomenon. Yeah, and that album, Turn On, was released on a label called Command Performance, an independent label that reissued it in 1993 or so. And when I first went into the mail order business, I ordered 300 copies of this album. And found myself with one left for myself that someone offered a hundred dollars for. Oh wow! The popularity of that particular reissue, because it's very hard to come by in any good condition uh, in its original release. So, what do you know about Sean Bonnewell? Well, he he was a folk rocker. Something every man must face As his child begins to grow May not be the time or place But he'll ask and you must know And this was kind of interesting. He, he played with a band called The Wayfarers and they made three albums for the RCA label. And, but he he wanted you know he said he said that he wanted to create something harder and more unique. Uh, so he had this vision of of doing this thing. He wore this black le- leather glove. He he wrote this what he called uh, he wanted fuzz with fangs. And uh, after the Wayfarers, he formed a band called the Ragamuffins, which then developed into the music machine the music machine broke up after the release of of that album turn on the music machine and sort of left sean you know high and dry and he 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 struggled trying to get a, a footing again but i just wanted to say on that record you have keith olsen on the bass great fuzz bass and doug rhodes on the farfisa organ it's a it's a slam bang uh, 
cut. Sean was born in 1940. He lived to be 71. He died in 2011. Um, he was from California, San Jose. And uh, he sort of lived his whole life here. Um, but uh, this is a this is this album this song as as you have said is uh, is ageless. What's interesting is he, in his second incarnation, went back to the more gentle roots that wanted to uh, that inspired him to get into music to begin with. The first recording that he was inspired by was the Platters' "Only You." That was the record that. Um, sent him the message that he should be a musician. Uh, but after all of the fury with Talk Talk, he changed his name to T.J. Bonnewell and started doing more of the, uh, the gentle material that he had started uh, his career with. with the, Yeah, he, the, he moved the, the to Capital. I think it's T.S. Bonnewell. Or T.S. Bonnewell. Um, uh, yes, and the, the, when I really discovered the name, I, I bought this album called uh, My Mind Goes High, Psychedelic Pop Nuggets from the Warner Brothers vaults. And this, what they included was a cut called Astrologically Incompatible by the Bonnewell Music Machine. He lost the name. He couldn't use the music machine. So he, he in, in the, the other incarnation was the Bonnewell Music Machine. And... Uh, and that that song tanked, but they put it on the collection of My Mind Goes High. So the singles after Talk Talk were uh, were very very disappointing, given the yeah. success of the original. There was Bottom of My Soul, backed with Astrologically Incompatible in '67. Me, myself, and I, backed with Soul Love in '68. In My Neighborhood, Back With You, Love Me Again, in April of 68, and uh, a couple of others. And as T.S., yes, it was T.S. Bonnewell, he had a recording uh, titled Where Am I To Go, backed with a song called Sleep. So the success was limited until he decided that he's going to get in a Volkswagen band became a born-again Christian, and sold Yeah, everything. he traveled around the U.S. in a Volkswagen bus. That was pretty much his adulthood. And he, uh, bec- he, was, he was born again. And, uh, yeah, I'm, he, he just got out of the music business when he saw which way this was going. He didn't want any more... Uh, he didn't want any more Soros as... Uh, he did what he had to do. He didn't want any more uh, Soros, as uh, Larry David might say. <laughs> Actually, John Hamm saying Soros in the new episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm is one of yeah. the funniest moments. Um, yeah. It's not Bashir. Right, right. So what I think is that this is on a list that could be, if you are take, if you're, move forward into the 90s and listen to what Nirvana was doing. In my estimation, the last original sighting of an actual rock and roll band in the United States of America that had something to say and something profound to deliver. Um, The attitude 
is there. Bonnewell didn't have the capacity to be able to broaden that vision as Kurt Cobain did, but he certainly brought something to the table. And Rhino Records knew it when they released their Nuggets series, and it was that Nuggets series with the inclusion of the music machine that um, promoted the revival. That's where they became popular all over again uh, through Rhino Records. And uh, yeah, I, that, that leads fan. me to a question: If if there had been no uh, Nuggets, do you think that? And we were doing this series now. Would you have still um, remembered Talk Talk? Well, Nuggets came to my attention when I did some work with Rhino. So I can't even make the claim that I listened to all the promos that I got because I had so much material to listen to at the time. I had albums, stacks of vinyl where people were releasing garage band records from different parts of the country. Those fascinated me. The bands who I never heard of fascinated me more than the ones that I had. So once I see Music Machine, I'm not so ready to put on the CD. So for me, that song has stuck with me ever since I'm 13, 14 years old. Yeah, and we, and we talked about what were some of the other uh, classic garage cuts. And, and I think we both agree that 96 Tears is... Uh, near the top of the mountain. Yeah, 96 Years is probably the, 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 the Duke of Earl of those type of recordings. Too many teardrops for one heart to be crying Teardrops for one heart to carry on your way on top now since you left me you're always laughing way down at me but watch out now with it really you talk about just recordings, I think it cost a hundred bucks. And you just set up the mics and you just let them go. And um, there's two versions where the fade is longer because they went on for six or seven minutes after the original recording was faded out. Oh, that's great. It was pretty much an improvisation. And um, Rudy Martinez, the lead singer, is kind of a Sean Bonnewell type of character. But more reason to be angry because born into a Mexican culture where you're not the lead singer of Cannibal and the Headhunters or you're not Richie Valens, it was 50 times as hard to be able to make any inroads unless you sang the traditional Mexican music. And Rudy Sam Zamudio did it with Sam, Willie Bully. Yeah. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. Let it go, let it go. 
Sam, Sam Samudio did it, but Sam wasn't seen as Mexican. Rudy Martinez he wasn't? looked like a Mexican. Right, because he was he wore the because, the, yes, the turban. It was a it was a fascinating disguise. He looked more like a character out of a uh, out of a movie about the period in time of the pharaohs than he did anyone from uh, from a, a film about the Mexican Revolution. So, um, yeah, Wooly Bully, though, is so... That's a great garage rock. It, but it's also produced much differently. I mean, they... they yeah, no, I mean, it was more yeah, professional. Much more professional, and they, they, they knew just where to throw that echo in, and they took a lot of time. These other things were slam, bam. Psychotic Reaction by The Count Five. Psychotic Reaction, great cut. She's about a mover. Well, Doug Sam's music was always Texas oriented. Right, so, and that, uh, that who was the guy who played keyboards? Uh, Augie, Augie Myers. Augie, Augie yeah, Myers. Augie yeah, Myers. great, great outfit. And there's a uh, inevitably they wind up with Flaco Jimenez uh, on the accordion playing some of the finest Tex-Mex along with Freddie Fender and Doug Sam in the Texas Tornadoes. Uh, so okay, I always, headhunters. I never bought, and neither did Doug, the idea that they tried to sell them as a British band. Right, Dick right. Clark that, tried to promote them as last. a British band, and that, of course, always bugged Doug. He knew where his roots were. They were based in... Uh, the same kind of uh, country roots that uh, that so many artists had to Norteño rock give up. You see, see, senor. And uh, you have a number of artists like this, where these records sound almost sparse, but contain everything that you're going to need. Uh, and that organ sound once again, as in '96 Tears, and she's about a mover, Mendocino. Right. That's like the. That's like you got to have the cheesy organ sound. Yeah. Now these and the fuzz and the fuzz guitar. Now, how old was she in Mendocino, by the way? The teeny bop. Mendocino. Was she 15, 16? How old was she? Teenage lover. Yeah, teenage lover. How? But you remember? He mentions the age. Does he? I don't remember. I think I think you, if I remember correctly, he actually gives you a number. Well, he'd be in jail for that. He'd be in jail for that. <laughs> but then again, if we we've spoken about this before, if, <laughs> if, if there was a reality, you know, it's 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 pretty. No, no, reality is not that. Is not, not no, the, the it, order of the day. When you have Andrew Cuomo bring the ex-governor of New York being brought up on criminal charges for touching. Can you imagine what Mick Jagger, Robert Plant, Keith Richards, Jimmy Page, 
Keith Moon, the list goes on and on and on and on. And the ages of these kids in Laurel Canyon, we, we know there were 12-year-olds in there that uh, David Crosby was involved in. So, yeah. It's, let the lawsuits begin. Let the lawsuits... Let the, you know, this is, you know, the facts are the facts. We've now become conscientious that we don't want our daughters hanging around with a version of Robert Plant, but there couldn't be a version of Robert Plant in 2021. That was a time specific to the period and the adventures and parents letting their children run away and saying, goodbye, enough already. Now their children are all special. Every kid well, they can still get away with it, as you said, in Afghanistan. Yeah, Afghanistan, where they're selling their children. See, Sean Banowell, he had a lot of reason to be angry. He had a lot of re- He knew. He knew what was coming. That citizen fear. But we can make it true. Listen, all we've got to do is recognize that what he is is willing me and He knew what was there. He knew the past, the present, and the future at a very young age. I think it was 23 when he recorded this. And um, that's, that's not, not as young as some other of the great poets like Michael Brown, who writes Walk Away Renee when he's 15 years old. Who the hell thinks about the images in Walk Away Renee and is able to articulate them at 15? Uh, it still astounds me when I hear Linda Ronstadt's version of it or even Southside Johnny's. Amazes me, just amazes me what these young minds of our day were capable of. What are the young minds of today capable of? As a teacher, Bill, as someone who teaches and educates. All sorts of wonderful things. But let's <laughs> assault your senses and your ears. <laughs> talk, talk. And it's an only child Consider my reputation Something more than white I know it serves me right But I can't sleep at night Have to hide my face Or go some other place Yeah, 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 yeah. I won't cry out for justice Admit that I was wrong I stay in hibernation Till the talk subsides to gone Social lives are dud. My name is really mud. I'm up to hearing lies. I guess I'm down to size. To size. Can't seem to talk about the things that bother me. Seem to be what everybody has. Social lives are dirt. My name is really mud. I'm up 
I'm getting more and more respect for Joe Rogan every single day. Sometimes you just got to fight the machine. You got to fight the machine. The machine that tells you you have to do this, you have to do that. You got to be this, you got to be that. What if the machine is wrong? What if the machine is wrong? The machine's been wrong so often in our floppy disk society that refuses to update itself. What if it's wrong? The vaccine machine. What if we're putting things in our bodies that are going to turn us into reptilians in four years? Oh, God, Bill. Okay. Whoa, Nelly. World. Whoa, Nelly. But on the serious side, (laughs) on the serious side, we have more episodes of Captain Billy. And what you should do is you should check out Captain Billy's Magic 8-Ball, where right now, viewing on Facebook on our Dig This page and on Stranger in Town on our Dig This page. Yes, you can find it. Bill goes into the heart of my favorite album, Forever Changes. Forever Changes. That was an honor. It was an honor for me and for your citing me as the one to introduce you to this work. And it is still, I cannot listen to it without being excited. After, I've probably played it 5,000 times. I still get excited when I hear this album. A good humor man. Doesn't do, Sergeant Pepper doesn't do that for me. Abbey Road doesn't do that for me. No. Beggar's Banquet doesn't do it for me. There's something about that recording that just paralyzes me every time I hear it. There is so much going on with Mr. Arthur Lee. And you can check out our Arthur Lee podcast, Way from the archives, back years ago, when Bill and I were were talking in on, in 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 lo-fi, as opposed interminably, to, interminably. So yes, yeah, so Captain Billy, and we have uh, also a new episode of "And the Splendid Boho Goes To," where we award it to a character actor of note who enhances a film into greatness, and we award it to Mr. Randy Quaid for his performance in the last detail. Wonderful film from 73, directed by Hal, Hal Ashby. And uh, we go deep in that one. It's nice, nice, nice episode. Yeah, I just re-listened to that. It's a good one. And our last tack of 45s, please listen to the Skyliners. Jimmy Beaumont and the Skyliners. One of my favorite vocalists of all time. Literally one of my favorite vocalists of all time. If I have a vocal list of 25 of the greatest Jimmy Beaumont, the lead singer of the Skyliners, is in there. And uh, it's a fine fine piece of work, thanks to the craftsmanship of the editing style that Mr. Mesnick is able to engage in. But yet, he leaves in all the important parts. Sometimes he threatens to take out some of my commentary, but rarely does he. Why? (laughs) Because we... It's just so entertaining. We've known each other for well over half a century. We understand each other. And we know that our intent is never to insult you, the audience. It is always to deliver something informative and something entertaining. And we're nothing if not entertaining. And on that happy note, we're going to move on 
And then there'll be other episodes, and then we do it again, and you keep doing it until we do it. And then hopefully more of doing it. Oh, I'm exhausted. Okay. <laughs> Bill, it has been a pleasure. I love you. Thank you so much. And we will You're return. You're quite welcome. We shall return with another episode of Put on a Stack of 45s. Very shortly. Very shortly. Bye-bye, gang. Stack of 45s. Stack of 45s.